This is The Playbook. I am so excited because I have a superhero in the house. One of my daughters, total superheroes. I got a 30-minute lecture this morning about how incredible Jody Katz is. And as I did more due diligence on Jody Katz, I agree. The CEO of Base Beauty Creative Agency, a true entrepreneur, and she has a podcast that is so awesome. Every person, young man or woman, should listen to this podcast. It's called Where Brains Meet Beauty. And I want to start there, Jody, because I'm sure as a young woman, you weren't as secure in your brains meeting your beauty, that you may have had a different perspective on your own self-worth, your own self-image, which I work really hard at for men and women to have the appropriate self-image. For you, how has your self-image evolved to the point where now five years in, uh, where brains meet beauty, you really talk about self-value, self-worth, and self-image? Thanks for starting with the hardest stuff. Um, that's my because... that's my that's my role. <laughs> well, um, I mean, for so long, I lived in self doubt. I mean, debilitating. Honestly, it's kind of a shock that I've been able to move through it. Um, thanks to, I guess, a lot of therapy, a lot of coaching, being around a lot of great people. But um, I just, you know, never felt like I belonged. I never thought that I was good enough. I didn't think I had the right education, the right friends, the right you know, in the right place at the right time. I just didn't have any stuff. You know, I didn't have a toolbox for navigating the world um, as a human and as a, you know, um, someone in her career. It took me a really long time to get there. Um, I, I did not do this alone though. Like now I move through the world and I'm at ease and I'm comfortable and I feel community and that's what I always wanted. But I'm 46. I'd say like, I only really started feeling that way like at 40. Oh my gosh, I'm 54. I wish I looked like you when I was 46 uh, or 36 for that matter. But more importantly, it's the brains that really meet the beauty. Beauty is obvious exterior to everyone. But inside, you talked about therapy. And it's interesting because I never uh, went to therapy until my 50s. And I had a bunch of childhood trauma from my dad leaving at five to being abused sexually when I was nine, just a variety of things that I thought, eh, I'm through this. I, I, you know, I teach this stuff. I don't need therapy. And I will tell you as someone uh, who was against therapy, I'm a big uh, fan of it. I suggest everyone having someone to talk to professionally uh, that can really heal us and see how we're manifesting our futures by how we're defining these inflection points of the past and mental health I think is a big part of our lives, but more importantly, it's a big part of what you do. And you've instituted your own day program for, for mental health. Uh, why is it so many people, although it's common, uh, common occurrences today, mental health is a huge issue. You can't turn on anything without hearing about mental health. Why are so many people so resistant, including me, uh, to addressing their own mental health and supporting others in theirs? Uh, well, let me first say I'm not a physician. I'm a marketer, right? So I don't know that I'm fully prepared to answer that question. I can answer it for myself. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that there was anything wrong, right? I moved to the world thinking everything's fine. And I thought feeling fine is fine, right? Like I just thought that that was, we you know, normal or okay. Um, and it was, um, a personal challenge that drove me to therapy. I really wanted to be a mom and I couldn't get pregnant. 
and um, went through that infertility process. And thankfully, at the um, physician's office that I worked at, there was a therapist on staff. And, uh, you know, when you want to get pregnant and you can't, it's devastating. So, you know, I was really on my hands and knees, you know, crying and made a phone call to that practice. And they said, oh, let me put you into the voicemail of the therapist. And um, from that moment, this, like my whole world opened up, right? So this really challenging, awful experience um, turned into um, a door for me to understand myself, understand like really what true feelings are, right? We're not always just fine, right? <laughs> there could be bad days and good days. And I wasn't feeling those. I didn't really understand how to feel my feelings. Now I have a 15 year old and 11 year old and I feel my feelings all the time. I evaluate them, I understand them, I appreciate them. Um, and I've you know, really become much more whole. And that's really what I was striving for. And you've written a book now that's debuting and it's really kind of the next level. Put it up there because this is seen at airports and hotel rooms where a lot of times they can't hear us. So, <laughs> um, but we talk about the seduction of success and your books about facing that seduction of success and utilizing inspiring stories uh, in business to do that. Um, how did you come up with the idea, you know, because it seems as if your business uh, is far beyond some sort of seduction of success. There seems to be, to me, a, a meaningful, passionate purpose about your profitability that goes beyond uh, what other people would see as kind of a surface seductive, successful woman. Um, but yet you've chosen to talk about the seduction of success and how you faced it and how others have faced it in business. Why did you choose that as the topic of this great book? Well, the book is based on 200 plus podcast episodes from my show where brains meet beauty. And what I found over those past um, five years of those episodes is that um, all of these incredibly talented, smart, ambitious people in my industry, whether they're entrepreneurs or C-suite or you know, employees in someone else's team, um, they're, they're shared stories and they um, revolve around um, mental health, quality of life and life work, life work balance. And since life work balance and quality of life and mental health, they're really all tied together, right? You can't silo these things out. Um, and what I've been hearing from people and experiencing for myself is this seduction in reaching my goals. Um, I'm in an industry that's really fun. I like my job. You know, I'm, I steer my ship, right? So this is a really cool place to be. But anytime I reach a goal and I get a little taste for that success, I want more, right? So I think about this in relationship to like how I feel about sugar, right? I eat a chocolate bar, <laughs> I want more, right? My body craves more. And that's what I found happening in the early years of my business. It's like, I, you know, I wanted this, reach this goal. I wanted my business to be written about in Women's Word Daily, which, you know, at the time was really the only outlet for industry news in my business. And um, I got there and I'm like, oh, okay, what else, what else can I get? What else can I eat? Where's, where's the next piece of chocolate? Um, and to reach those next goals, that means more work, more time, right? Um, and well, that's fine. I can work harder. I can have more ambitions and goals, but what is that doing to the other parts of my life that I'm, you know, are equally ex as exciting to me, right? Like I love my kids. I love fitness. I love travel. I like being with my family. Um, I was really worried and quite concerned about um, diving too deep into the work and being too seduced by success that it meant I would be abandoning all the other things that were important to me. So this is the um, tension that I explore personally. I explore it in therapy. I explore it with my coach. And I also explore it with my guests. 
And you and I face the same challenges. We're trying to empower young people like my daughter uh, who have dreams, aspirations, and misconceptions about the industries we're in. Uh, both are highly emotionally charged industries. Um, but yet when we have these emotionally charged industries like the beauty industry or the sports industry or entertainment industry, people have these misperceptions and conceptions about uh, the requirements in order to be successful. Because in the end, I always look at the biggest industries in the world as backdrops. And because these backdrops generate trillions of dollars and they're romanticized and amplified as such, they lose sight, especially young people, of the skills, the knowledge, and the desire that it takes to be successful in these industries. Now, I believe that the bigger the industry, the bigger the backdrop, the less competitive it is, because most people go the extra mile every once in a while and then justify why they didn't make it because they talk about a crowded space or a competitive landscape instead of doing it every day. Um, how do you help young people focus in on their inner skills, their own knowledge of what and who, and their own desire, and stray away from the emotional attachment that they have to the romantic misconception of, I want to work in beauty, or I want to work in sports? I don't know that I'm the best person to answer that question either, and I'm going to tell you why, because I used to be so driven by just like, what does it sound like on paper? right? That's really what drove my decision-making early in my career, right? I was in advertising. That was cool. I was in beauty. That was cool. Um, it wasn't until becoming an entrepreneur and like what was really motivating me where I discovered, well, what's very important, right? So what was important to me at the time, I was leaving that full-time job at a large global beauty company to start my own business. What was important to me at the time is creating a career for myself where I could be the mom I wanted to be, right? And also do great work. So my motivation was to, um, I guess, have a wealth of flexibility, right? Um, it wasn't about being cool anymore. You know, cool drove it, you know, the first 10 years of my career. And I guess that was fine. I think, um, you know, a lot of people um, are in similar situations. But at the point in my life where I wanted to start a family, but also maintain a career, my decision making was based on how do I spend my time and will I have flexibility? And um, I don't think I was actually looking for something that was unreasonable either. It just wasn't out there at the time. You know, this is 15 years ago. So, uh, um, you know, I work with a lot of young people and they all come to our company for a variety of reasons. Usually it's because though that they're passionate, whether they're um, makeup artists, you know, or whether they're just like super into skincare or hair care. Um, they come to my company because they want to be in the industry. And I honestly think that that's the best path. Like pick something you love. Um, because you won't care about what you're doing. It won't matter if something's admin or a little bit boring that day if you're doing something that's in a, a world that's super exciting to you. So people can't work at Base Beauty unless they are passionate about beauty and wellness because they're just going to be bored, right? <laughs> like it's just not the right place for them. And I would say like, I can't go get a job at like a car company or for a sports team because I would be bored. Like I, I don't speak the language. I don't care about it. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to say, right? These aren't my worlds but I can get lost here and have fun. And that, you know, the, the clock just like zooms fast through the day. I'm never looking at the clock thinking like, oh my God, is the day gonna end? So I would say follow where your heart is because we all have like kind of junky things to do in our job every day. But if you're doing it in a world that you love, it will never really feel like garbage. 
Yeah, I was really lucky when I started out because I was just motivated by money. I just wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. So it didn't matter what it was, as long as it paid well, I was in. Um, but a lot of people ask for advice about getting started. Uh, how do you get into the beauty industry? How do you get into the sports or entertainment industry? Um, what type of advice do you give to people when they get started to get uh, initiated into the industry? Well, I'd say prove your passion is the first thing. You know, there's um, a lot of different types of jobs in this industry. You could, um, you know, want to be a product developer. That's a person who's like actually inventing the goop that's in the jar. You could be in marketing. You can be in finance. Like there's so, you know, so many different avenues. But if you're having a hard time, like building a network, I'd say like get a job at Sephora. Get a job at Ulta, prove to the world that like you're super passionate about beauty. Get a job at a Medi spa or, you know, at a dermatologist's office answering phones because then you're going to be so deep in aesthetics. So prove to people that you're very passionate, that you'll take whatever the entry level job is, and you will then be able to find your way into a brand, but you have to start somewhere. Um, and, you know, being at retail is actually like, you know, one of the hardest things ever. So it would actually, um, I think, be a huge boon to your future to be able to have that on the ground field experience. It's so interesting because uh, I compare being an entrepreneur when I started to being an actor. And what I say by that is people will say, oh, Dave, you know, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and they say, oh, you're unemployed. Are you, where, where do you wait tables at? Um, and the same as we do for actors out in California as well. Um, but now I'm 54. And like you, as I went down the Jody Katz fan club uh, rabbit hole uh, with the inspiration of my daughter, just unbelievably excited about having you on the podcast. I was just studying it going, oh my gosh, Jody has the same problem I have. And I bet it's probably true if your parents are still around. Um, my mom still doesn't know what I do. And so how do you explain to people, you do so much and it's a little bit eclectic and subjective, uh, but you're truly an entrepreneur. So when people ask you about, you know, what do you do? I'm just curious for my own personal edification, how do you describe what you do? Well, um, in the early years of being in the beauty industry, I'd say that I get to play with lotions and potions. I mean, that's really what I got to do. One of my first jobs in the beauty industry was as a copywriter. So I'd be handed, you know, a bunch of jars and vials and whatnot and be asked to like experience them and then write about them, tell stories about them, name the products. So I literally got to play all day, which was incredible. And then I learned how to be an art director. And that meant, well, I got to play with them, but now I get to play with them with a photographer, or video director, right? And prop stylist. So in essence, that's what I get to do. Um, my, my family really actually, I think, seems to understand what I do. Um, I come from a family of like great shoppers, right? So they really understand the power of marketing, loyalty programs, right? Um, messaging and, um, you know, love beauty. I would say that um, I wasn't super cool to my family until I was on the local New York City news channel promoting my book. I'd say like, I was never more cool to my parents until they could go to WPIX 11 and see me on TV. That was like the height of everything. That is so cool. And when you were transitioning, obviously family members are the first uh, to want the security and stability in our lives. And I always say, just because someone loves us doesn't mean they always give us good advice, but it also doesn't mean uh, that they are looking out for what's best for us because they care too much about it. I call it 
ignorant arrogance where our parents don't know what they don't know, but out of arrogance of fear that something could happen to my baby, they give us bad advice and they'll just pick the st stable choice. Um, you were the creative director for an extraordinary company that I've done business with, L'Occitane, uh, one of the leaders in their space. And that's not an easy job to leave. You know, how did you deal with friends, family, associates telling you, hey, you're, you're taking way too much risk and starting your own agency? You know, I spent a career like of uncertainty, I'd call it, in my, you know, in those 20s where I was just looking for the cool job. I got like fired and laid off a ton. I'd always find my way to doing um, temp jobs and, you know, random things to make money. So I think my family is just sort of used to the randomness of my career. Right? Like my dad worked his whole career, you know, one company, right? Like, you know, they saw pretty early that was not the trajectory for myself and most of my, most of my peers. So um, I'd always had these odd jobs. I always had freelance gigs as a copywriter and art director. Um, I don't know that they um, saw this as a risk because they just heard the language of what I was doing all these years. But I didn't feel like I had an option to be quite honest with you. Like I knew that um, I wanted to be a parent someday. It wasn't that day, but it was soon. Um, where was I going to work? Where I could, you know, be the mom I wanted to be. There just was no. There's no place to do that. I looked around at the people who had full-time jobs at my company and also had kids. You know, they were coming to the office at seven, leaving at seven. I didn't want that. I just really wanted to be able to take my kid to mommy and me gymnastics on a Tuesday. You know, I just wanted to be able to make these decisions for myself and not be, um, you know, have these someone else's expectations on how that time is going to be spent. So um, there were there were no choices back then. I love it. And you took the right choice, invested in yourself and built an extraordinary business, extraordinary podcast, and now this book as well. I thought maybe we'd finish up with a little bit of a teaser. Um, you've heard so many inspiring stories in, from leaders uh, of business, not just from the podcast as you write them in your books. Can you give us a little bit of a teaser of maybe one of your favorite stories uh, and lessons uh, that you discuss in Facing the Seduction of Success? Yes, I have. There's so many favorites. It really depends upon the day. But the one that came to mind, as you asked, was um, a young woman got a job at one of the biggest, biggest, biggest global beauty brands in the world, one of um, Estee Lauder's brands. She's super junior. She spent her college years, most of them in China, learning about China and working in the China market. She gets to New York for this very entry-level job. She's in a room with the, the top executives, the, the top photographer of the time, and is sitting in a space where she's not expected to speak, right? She's just there to watch and sees their launch campaign for this brand in China. So, you know, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, entering the China market was right, like a huge thing. It still is a huge thing, but this was sort of more of the um, unknown at the time. She sees their, their campaign ideas and she knows they just use the colors of death to represent anti-aging. This is not gonna go well. What does she do? Right, she's not expected to speak. Yeah. There's a lot of hierarchy in this organization. So like these stories, you know, are so exciting to me because we've all been there. Right? We've all been in a situation, maybe it's not even at work, maybe it's in like school, right? For your kids or at the gym or at the supermarket, whatever. Like you've all, we've all been in situations where like, we're not expected to speak. We're not expected to have a voice in this moment. What do we do? 
Um, so I won't tell you how that story ends up because it's just such a great one. You'll have to read the book to see. But um, I need these lessons, right? I, there's an, another person on the show. Um, you know, we're talking about life-work balance. How does he shut it off when he walks through the um, door every day after coming in from the office? And he said, every time I press the garage door opener, it's my body signal to, to stop working, right? Like, so he made this like really physical cue to shut things off go see his kids, go for a bike ride, whatever it is. I need this help. I can't do this alone. And that's why this podcast has been like free coaching and free therapy for me. I get that. And you're doing such an extraordinary guy, uh, job, but I think it's indicative of someone who knows that they're happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy and figuring out what they're doing to interfere with it. A true abundant attitude by giving back to so many people with your podcast and now your book. Check out the book. They can, I assume, find it everywhere, facing the seduction of success, inspiring stories on leading in business while living your life. It released in June, actually. So it's available everywhere. Thank you so much. The incredible did not let me down or my daughter, Jody Katz, come back and visit again. She's the CEO of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Check out her book, her podcast. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon.